Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we're joined by lead pastor Dave Ferguson as we kick off the series, Make Room. For more information, please visit us at communitychristian.org. Also, if you need prayer, we invite you to text PRAY to 630-793-6399. One of our prayer team members is standing by and ready to pray for you. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30, a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Hello, community. I'm getting ready to head over to our brand new Downers Grove location. I thought maybe you could join me, even though I'm sure by now you're probably sick of traveling. Um, how many of you, I'm just curious, did a lot of traveling over the holidays? Just go ahead and raise your hand right now. Maybe you went to friends, family, got yourself off the couch, just so everybody at your location can see. All right, a whole bunch of us. Well, fortunately these days, of course, we always have one of these around, right? has a built-in GPS. It can take us exactly from where we are to exactly where we want to go to. Now, back in the olden times and prehistoric days, for those of you under 18, we used something called a map, a giant piece of paper all folded up that had streets labeled on it, highways labeled on it, to take us and guide us to places. Imagine that. I don't really like maps, and maybe this story is the reason why. It was about this time of year, several years ago that Sue and I got invited over to some people's house from our church to go to dinner. Now, we'd never been there before, so we gave them a call. They gave us directions, and we wrote them on a piece of scrap paper, like this, you know, a map. Followed the directions, got there no problem, had dinner, fine time, said thank you, got ready to leave, and we jumped back in the car. I'm driving. Sue's sitting on the passenger side. She has uh, the directions, and she's doing the navigating. And uh, it's dark now, and of course, we have to follow the directions in reverse order okay, to get back home. We take off, and pretty soon, like, nothing's looking familiar. And I'm pretty sure we're lost. And I'm also increasingly convinced that the navigator is not doing her job. So we both kind of like to be in charge. So I kind of say to her, I say, hey, give me the directions. Maybe a little more attitude than that, but that's what I say. And I reach over to snatch the directions from her. She pulls them away from me. And you can tell it's kind of like it's on. And whatever I did clearly ticked off the navigator. Because she looks at me, she takes the directions, wads them up, rolls down her window, and then throws the directions out the car. That's why I don't like maps. Let's see if I can get to Downers Grove without getting lost. You know, uh, you can get lost using this thing too. Heard a crazy story this week about a Belgian woman named Sabine Moreau. She went to go visit a friend of hers about an hour and a half away, pulls out her phone, punches in the address, and uses the GPS, follows the directions. Only one problem, <laughs> GPS error. She gets lost. I mean really lost, 900 miles lost. She ends up in Croatia. She crosses over five international borders, takes a nap off the side of the road because she's so tired, stops for gas several times, and it isn't until she gets to the capital of Croatia that it hits her, I think I'm lost. And it's then she says to herself, I need to turn around. When we hear those kind of stories, it's just so obvious to us. We kind of want to yell, right? We want to yell them, just turn around. I don't think it's so obvious in our own lives when we're headed in the wrong direction. I want you to hold on to that. As we begin a new year, we're also starting a brand new series called Make Room. It's all about learning intentional spiritual practices that'll make room for God in 2020. 
It will not only learn, but will also challenge you to do these spiritual practices. Practices like fasting and prayer and Sabbath. But the practice I want to challenge all of you with today has to do with the direction of your life. Now, we shake our heads at the story of the Belgian woman who ends up lost in Croatia. But it's also easy for us in our own lives to just keep it headed in the same direction, day after day, week after week, month after month, even year after year, and eventually end up somewhere we never intended to be. Now, sometimes that's caused by a big detour or a wrong turn in life, and we end up lost. But other times, we end up off course through small incremental decisions. It's more like we drift. And drifting just a little can make a big difference. Just consider this. If you're going somewhere and you're off course, but let's say just one degree, after one foot, you only miss your target by 0.2 inches. No big deal, right? But what about as you get farther out? After 100 yards, you'll be off by five feet. Again, not huge, but noticeable. But after a mile, you'll be off by almost 100 feet. One degree is now starting to make a difference. And let's say you're traveling from San Francisco to Los Angeles. You'll actually end up off by six miles. You could literally up, end up in the ocean. <laughs> and if you're flying from San Francisco all the way to Washington, D.C., you'll end up on the other side of Baltimore, 43 miles away. Over time, drifting just one degree off course makes a huge difference. And the same thing's true in life. The choice that maybe you make to stay late at the office again down the road because of your drivenness, you can end up with a broken relationship. The choice of just one more drink down the road, you can end up with an addiction. The choice to prioritize other things over church and spiritual things, down the road you end up far from God. And we can travel a long, long time before we realize that we've drifted far off course. That's why when Jesus came to this world and walked among us, the heart of his message was this call to turn around. Jesus called to turn around. It sounded like this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. He said this, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And the first spiritual practice for you to make room for God in your life in 2020 is that, repentance. And I'm telling you, if you don't get this one, nothing else that we say in, the, in this series is, is even going to matter. you got to get this one. So let's start by talking about what repentance is not. Repentance is not a word that gives us a warm, fuzzy feeling. We much prefer words like faith and, and hope and love. I mean, you don't tend to see the word repent printed on t-shirts or coffee mugs. But let me ask you this. How many of you, when you hear the word repentance, you automatically think sin? How many of you think sin? I say repentance, you think sin. And I'm guessing most of us do. Repentance sounds like a religious word that's meant to remind me that I'm a screw-up. And I should feel really bad about myself. Uh, that I should stand in the corner and think about what I've done. That, that, that I should be wearing the, the, the cone of shame. <laughs> that I should feel like God's really disappointed in me. But what if I told you that repentance is not, not really, about what you feel at all? Theologian N.T. Wright, he puts it brilliantly, and here's what he says. The trouble with the word repentance is that people have often not understood it. They've thought it means feeling bad about yourself. It doesn't. It means change direction, turn around, go the other way, or stop what you're doing and do the opposite instead. How you feel about it isn't the really important thing. It's what you do that matters. So when Jesus calls us to repent, 
He's not telling you, beat yourself up, feel regret, feel shame. No, what he's actually doing is inviting us to turn around and start moving in a different and far better direction. So let's talk about what repentance is. Now let me give you a simple way to think about and hopefully remember what repentance is. And, and humor me for a minute. I'm going to ask everybody to stand up, okay? We have 10 different locations that are viewing this. So everybody at all of our locations, go ahead and stand up. Get up on your feet right now. All right? On your feet. Very good. Now, what I want is I want everyone to turn to your right. Now, don't worry. I'm not going to make you do that creepy exercise where you give a shoulder massage to the person next to you. Okay? We're not going to do that. What I do want you to do is when I say go, I want you to take three steps forward and keep facing to the right. Three steps forward is when I say go. Ready? Go. All right. Now what I'm going to ask you to do next is actually a picture, and I hope this sticks with you, of repentance. When I say go, I want you to turn around and take three steps in the opposite direction. When I say go, ready? Go. That's it right there. That motion right there, repentance, is actually turning around, moving in a different direction. You got that? All right, go ahead and have a seat. Have a seat. I want that to sink in. Repentance revolves changing the direction of your life, changing the direction you're currently headed in, turning around, starting off now in a new and better direction. Maybe another way to think about it. Um, let's say you're traveling on an interstate route and you're going to an amazing vacation destination. You suddenly realize, oh my goodness, I am traveling the wrong direction. What do you do? You start looking for an exit. You start looking for an off-ramp, right? <laughs> you want to turn around. You want to get headed in the right direction. Because if you don't, you're going to get more and more lost, and you're going to miss something awesome ahead. See, repentance is about you finding an off-ramp so you can turn around and start going in the right way. Probably the best illustration about repentance is a story that Jesus told about a father and his two sons. Now, the story starts out with a younger son doing something that really was unthinkable. He goes to the father and asks for his share of the father's estate. Now, now just like today, it's understood. You don't get an inheritance until your parents have passed, until they're gone. But in essence, this son is telling his dad, he's saying, hey, I wish you were dead. Can we just pretend you're dead so I can have everything, you know, that's coming to me? The father's brokenhearted. The father doesn't protest. He just divides his property between his two sons and he gives it to them. But things do not go well for this younger son. He goes off, squanders all of his newfound wealth on wild living until he finally finds himself penniless, hungry, and alone. He's lost. Then comes the critical moment in the story. Jesus brilliant storyteller. He tells it like this. He says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. The younger son comes to his senses. He finally recognizes that his life is totally headed in the wrong direction. So the son finds an off-ramp. He turns around and starts heading in the right direction, back to his father. And I want you to notice something. When the son returns home, the son feels really, really bad. He's ready to stand in the corner, wear the cone of shame. He knows how much he's disappointed the father. 
but the father isn't interested in any of his feeling bad. The father has no desire to see his son grovel. Instead, his dad is ready to celebrate. He puts a ring on his finger, he puts sandals on his feet, clothes on his back, and he orders his servants to prepare a feast. He wants to have a party. All that matters to the father is the son has turned around and now come back home. And so when Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near, he's telling us that with his coming, he's showing us a new way, a different way, a much better way of living in this world, a way of peace, of joy, of freedom. Doesn't that sound good? A way full of love and purpose and meaning, the kind that we lived out in your neighborhoods, your workplace, your family. But in order to find that kind of life, Jesus says we have to repent. We have to turn around. We have to come back to God. And so here's what I'm asking you to do today. Repent. Not just learn about repentance, but I, actually, I want you to actually do repentance. To turn around. Because this is how you're going to make room for God in 2020. And, and I, don't want you, I don't want you to pick something. I want you to ask God to pick something. See, in a moment, we're going to sing a song that will challenge us to make room for what God wants in our life. And as we sing it, I want this to be a spiritual moment where God asks you to repent. Not feel bad, but yes, get your life headed in the right direction. It might have to do with a particular issue. It might be a specific relationship. It might be one particular area. And he's just saying, no, let's get that turned around. I just want to keep this real. Because here's the deal. For some of us, you're headed in a direction today that will totally detour your life. You're headed for lostness. And it might be a relationship that you know is destructive. It might be a business-related decision that you need to make right. It might be an addictive sin that you have kept hidden for a very long time. And the direction you're heading is pulling you away from God and every good thing He wants to do in your life. And what you need to do is this practice, repent. I'm telling you, if you do, if you do, this day will be a pivotal day that you will celebrate for the rest of your life. Now, for others of us, repentance is more subtle than that. It might mean kind of reprogramming the way we think and turning away from so much negativity. It might be realigning our priorities, putting God first, with everything, including our resources. It might re mean restructuring our time. A confession for me, as I've been thinking about this, I think this is where I need repentance. And I'm realizing for myself that old adage, if, if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And I need to repent of some of my own busyness. Get it turned around. But what about you? See, when Jesus calls us to repent, He's telling us, turn around, reorient everything about your life in this new direction so you don't miss out on the party, the celebration, the good stuff that I have for you. Repentance is at the heart of this community music song, Make Room. It's a song we're going to sing in just a moment. I'd like for the band to come on the stage at this time to prepare to lead us. This has become one of my favorite songs these days. And I love the refrain where it says, here is where I lay it down. You're all I'm chasing now. This is my surrender, and I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. Do whatever you want to. And as we sing that song, 
I'm challenging you to repent. Ask God, God, what part of my life do you want me to turn around? What area do you want me to realign with you? Where do you want me to change direction? And again, I don't want you to pick something. I want you to ask God to pick something. Ask God, what is it? What is it for you?